What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Logos Podcast. This is Max. Oh, I am Sam. This is this is Joey. Max is yeah. choking or... <clears throat> Sorry, sometimes I just like choke on my own, just like oxygen, you know? Yeah, that happens to uh, some people apparently. Yep, it does. So, <laughs> <laughs> how was y'all's day, guys? Uh, I had a good day. I didn't have to go to the high school today because... Uh, Basically, they had on spring break, and so we got a little. I was watching basketball, so NCAA tournaments going on. I filled out a bracket. March which Madness. I actually have a bone to pick with not anybody in here in, in general. Maybe if you guys did this, but yeah, I think that you shouldn't be able to. Oh, here we like go. have multiple brackets you fill out. I will say, I actually felt kind of convicted when I did a second one. It's so, like what? Well, like so the thing is, it was for like different. Like one was a class, and one was just like a general one. And so, like I, I didn't know you could transfer one bracket to another. So to be fair, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. So that's why I created a second bracket just to be part of the. Well, because everybody's like, oh, the, I picked that game in my first bracket, but my fourth one I didn't pick. I'm like, wait a second, this is you should only pick have so, one bracket. I see you know? your core with it. it is kind of kind of cheating, right? Can I flex a little bit? Did you create six no. brackets, bro? Please say don't say. I only made one bracket, bro. Nice. Me too, dog. Did you got a perfect bracket right now? I have no idea. I haven't checked yet. Haven't so checked. Iowa lost. So if you chose Iowa, I forget what I put. I picked Iowa, but I didn't Sorry. do it out of any like virtue. I did it because I didn't have time to f- fill out a bunch more. So just have one. But who's your champion? Nice. Auburn. Okay. All right. They live and die by the three pointer. So hopefully your dreams right. don't hopefully die. They're going to live by it, dude. Yeah, because last game they went like three and thirty, dude. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I saw that. But they're still good. Who'd you guys pick? I chose Duke. That's not a good That's pick. A mistake. Sorry, dude. They've been they've been playing really bad. They I think with all the pressure I know, of Coach I know, Day. I know. One of them was a simulated. One of them was simulated. To be fair, the other one I did choose. Duke. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I picked Tennessee. Uh, they're dark. Wow. Hor- they're the dark horse of the tournament. You guys will find out very quickly that they are a good team. They're the real I deal. Know, Sam, I was looking at your Sam, You really follow college basketball, though, yeah? Yeah, I mean, for the most part. Uh, I like to follow it through the year. Like I get, I yeah. get excited when it starts. I don't really follow the NBA, but the college basketball I do follow. So nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the tournament and how that'll move forward and everything. It's and actually cool here at seminary with some of the guys because like some guys you don't typically see invested in like sports. Actually, kind of I'm like kind yeah. of interested and at the very least want to know where their bracket stands, even yeah. though if they don't really, they don't really care. They're like, hey, you know, what, what, yeah, how that did is I do? one of the special things about March Madness in general. Yeah. It's cool. Anyone can participate. You don't even have to know anything about basketball. You can still make a bracket. That's right. You can still win. Well, I was I always telling people, I told this to people to dinner or at dinner like multiple times for the week, but those are the most dangerous people. The <laughs> ones are that just sleepers. like it's always the girls that are like, Who has the better mascot the better mascot? Who has that? the cutest mascot? <laughs> I want to be part of my boyfriend's friend group. Yeah. <laughs> or or just like some random bro, you know, it's just like, Oh well, yeah, whatever, just freaking just simulate my thing. Which which aren't to watch somebody just here win. Like the whole thing. That's why we don't let any girls in this place. And that's exactly why. We don't want them to be, Is that the reason? Beat, beat us in March Madness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So today we're going to be talking about metaphysics. Metaphysics. That's a daunting word. <laughs> metaphysics. Physics is hard. If y'all have ever done physics, but then metaphysics... I don't think I've ever done physics. Well, I did uh, with Aristotle's physics. I read that. That's right. I got all the way through high school without taking a chemistry class too. So that I, I consider wow. I consider that I'm put that on a resume. Like, hey man, I don't know chemistry at all. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, sick, metaphysics dude. is just like, what in the world are we talking about now? Yeah, you know, it's a whole new. How world. did you get? How did you get past that? That's crazy. I don't know. I wonder if um, huh. 
I shouldn't have said that. People <laughs> <laughs> are going to be like, I'm not listening to these yeah, guys right. anymore. That's well, good thing we're not talking about chemistry, dude. You know what yeah, I mean? <laughs> we won't be doing a, a podcast yeah. on chemistry. That's right. We're going to be talking about metaphysics. It goes beyond chemistry, actually. So what is metaphysics, Joey? Should we give a disclosure first that this is going to be is like a, a really, yeah, we were going to just heads up. This is going to be an abstract episode. Metaphysics is a very abstract science. Yes. We're going to try to make it as clear as we can. Um, but we're in, in an effort to be precise. We're not going <laughs> to say more than we need to because yeah, right. you know, this is stuff that you could t- study for a whole semester. It's a whole super year. important though, yeah, which is why we have to do it. Right. So and, and in our philosophical curriculum, just to emphasize that point, it's the, the, the last philosophy, philosophical class we have precisely in order of importance. So yeah. it's, it takes precedence in a lot of ways. So this is a warning. Yeah. If we but, get a little, a little abstract, Good. (laughs) (laughs) But stay tuned. Hopefully, hopefully you learn something. Hopefully, this episode helps you maybe think a little bit about um, reality in in maybe a different way. So yeah, um, yeah. Let's start by defining metaphysics. I know you have the Greek up here. So would you like to say it? Tameta tafusika. It was one of our professors' like pickup lines in class. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Joey took Greek, so he's like really good at it. Did you know that? You guys did too. We were yeah. in the same class, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> so, I, f- I forget most of my Greek because I've been learning yeah, Spanish. So do we. Yeah, but, so, well, metaphysics is like a, it's basically a made up word by Aristotle, right? He makes it up himself. I guess he's a, the innovator of the word. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah, he's the first one he, to use he it. Ha- he has, Aristotle's no, known for studying all these effects of the universe, right? Yeah. He's the big guy that looks at nature and kind of looks at all these things and how it kind of leads us to higher things, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. And, uh, then he he wrote the physics, and then he literally coined this term metatophysica because he's like it's whatever is beyond the physics. So uh, it's yeah. kind of interesting that he just was like, well, I don't know what to call it, so I'm just going to say whatever is higher than the physics. Yeah. So I guess one of the good ways to introduce this topic is by talking about what metaphysics is not. Yeah, that's right? important. And um, this is actually one of the ways that Saint Thomas Aquinas sometimes tries to define things when he's not, you know, when he wants to set a precedence. So one of the things we want to say that metaphysics is not, and we warn against, is this sort of kind of new age spirituality or some sort of like new age kind of just philosophy. Um, this is an ancient, as Sam was saying, right? It goes back to Aristotle. So this is an ancient philosophical system, and it's very robust. Um, and it is abstract, but it is also universally applicable. It's not just something that we just kind of made up over the last 20 or 30 years. Yeah. I actually, I was driving the other day to my apostolic, the high yeah. school, and I passed this little shop that looked like it had probably some like, it looked very new agey. I forget yeah. what the name of the shop was, but like the the subtitle of the shop's name was like metaphysical and something else like what? almost like potions or something. Like it was, wow. it was weird. So there's a connotation of this word metaphysics. How do you even fit that on a sign? It was, it was a big sign. <laughs> nice. It a big, a big, and like, it's not how we send positive vibes to each other either. It's I right. that out there. Yeah. Well. Not what metaphysics is. But yeah, I think, so Sam alluded to it. Um, Aristotle is the one um, who kind of was the pioneer of metaphysics, I think, or at least made it a part of the perennial philosophical tradition in the West, right? And yeah, Sam said it. So Aristotle starts off with this study of the material world, starts off with this study of the physical world. And he did this, you know, brilliantly. And, but then eventually Aristotle gets to this place where he's like, okay, there's something more here 
like in reality than can be seen and can be um, empirically experienced. Mm -hmm. And let's look for a science that can study that, whatever that is. Yeah. Right. And ultimately metaphysics we say is the study of being Mm -hmm. right so being stick with us being qua being or being as being so it's not just again the empirical existence but it's the thing that that defines it all that encompasses it all right so like a a good way a helpful way to think about this is some of these other more particular sciences will so you take botany for example botany will study like you know ask the question what does it mean to be a plant right or like a study like sociological like anthropology that'll ask a question like what does it mean to be a human being right yeah metaphysics doesn't ask those questions metaphysics just straight up asks what does it mean to be yeah like what does it mean to exist and what are some of the universal universal characteristics and principles of everything that exists like full stop yeah Mm. well what's interesting is the rest of the sciences presuppose being we always talk about this right yeah that's right they have these first principles that they just start with yeah so like with your physics you start with movement of motion through matter right or you start with chemistry you have your elements right that i didn't take Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so he thinks it's just speculation that's as much as he can say right it's over no (laughs) but then you get to this thing with metaphysics where it's studying what everything else presupposes that we that there is something right that's what we're going Mm -hmm. for it's like okay we never stop to pause to think why why is there being why do we have existence that's such an interesting thing to to think about and we'll we'll kind of end this episode talking about that important question to philosophy yeah. right but but sam is right i mean this is this is the whole thing we are just always presuppose being anything that we study right. always has some level of existence or else we couldn't know the thing was was there and that is the fundamental question to the study of metaphysics what is being yeah what is being what are like sam said those fundamental first principles yeah from which we derive everything else that we're able to kind of discover about the universe about reality um, and we mentioned that we study metaphysics last here at, at the seminary, and it's typically yeah. one of the last things that you'll study in a philosophical curriculum. But because it looks for those first principles, it's often also called like first philosophy, right? Or the mm-hmm. queen of philosophy, because it's trying to view things from the highest perspective. Right. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that is metaphysics. The second, so the question comes up like, why should Christians, why should the church care about it? Doesn't actually, (laughs) yeah, yep. So, this is now it, the church cares precisely because the church is all about the the cooperation of faith and reason. We know ourselves, like, we know we have the capacity to reason and use our minds, so therefore, we should kind of cooperate with that we should we should look for the highest truths right and yeah. that's why we work our way up to metaphysics it's it's like really very important for us to yeah. to not i guess take a question and say let's not think about that because it's hard to think about it's, no we need to go mm-hmm. after that because it's precisely because it's very difficult to understand that's right so yeah so like one of the reasons we would say we study it is precisely because it complements human reason it also emphasizes the importance of human reason yeah right and yeah. human wisdom particularly Right. So, and, and like, like we were saying earlier, right. So we don't limit knowledge to the empirical world in the church. Mm-hmm. Right? No. Truth is not limited. In fact, truth itself is not a tangible thing. Yeah. Right? Ideas are not a tangible thing yet. They exist and they exist profoundly within our hearts and in our minds. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that metaphysics allows us to do is to dignify 
that knowledge mm-hmm. in a certain way. And also to know that it is possible to to comprehend universal principles and that these highest forms of philosophical inquiry, um, it's one of the things that it allows us to do too. So. And that's yeah. what the church has thought from the very beginning, right? Right, yeah. We yeah. talked about the creed. We talked about the Nicene Creed. You say it every day at Sunday on Sunday, or actually, you should say you say it. You say it every Sunday, right? But the creed says we believe in all things visible and invisible. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going after, right? There's things beyond our empirical world that you were talking about, and this is from the very beginning. We think this, right? So now we have to work with that. And and so, like another thing I want to say too is like, why is it particularly that we emphasize in seminary? So I will say this: we're fortunate in a philosophical, or sorry, in seminaries that we have such a robust philosophical education here. Yeah. But why is it that is so important? And we were talking to one of our former professors, and he was telling us that, like, one of the examples he gave is that, like, the human mind isn't made to just be practical. Mm-hmm. It's actually made for much more, which is which goes back to the whole dignifying yeah. human knowledge things, right? It's made for much more than just studying biology. Mm-hmm. It's made for much more than even studying psychology or geometry and these mm-hmm. things. Like, it's, those are great things. Those are necessary things, but those, that's not the highest form. It's made more for more than just TikToks <laughs> and watching YouTube. No, it's not. It's close, though, right? <laughs> no, but it's, so, so it's made for more or making bombs even, right? Yeah. Or having these weapons. Like, our, <laughs> our, our mind, like, God made us to be able to be in union with him. And right? to contemplate. And, and to right? contemplate him. And that we say the beatific vision is to know and to love God perfectly. Right, so that'd be the highest expression. Exactly, of- right. And so so I guess my, my emphasis here is that we're not, when we study metaphysics and we study truth in general, it's not limited to the practical use of it. Yeah, it's speculative exactly. reasoning. Right? And, and it, exactly. And so we would say this is this is why the church emphasizes its importance. In yeah, and you know, Sam mentioned in the Nicene Creed, we profess that God created all things visible and invisible, right? So that's a Christian idea that God, you know, that God created oh, yeah. everything. But the idea that there are visible and invisible things is not a distinctively Christian idea, right? right. So like Aristotle, who lived in the like fourth century BC, or even before him, so like Plato, right? Plato, right. Aristotle, yeah, the, the these whole. Greek philosophers, they in assessing reality, yeah, clearly understood that there was more to reality than simply the material empirical world, right? So there's things like forms, right? Like things have natures and forms. So like you look at a tree and you can grasp it's like essence as a human being, like the human mind has the capability of doing that in a way that like an animal mind does not. Right. Right. Or like a human soul. This is an immaterial principle within the human soul that animates the body. You can go back and listen to our episode on the soul if you'd like (laughs) to. Right. And so metaphysics allows. So yeah, one of the reasons the church cares about metaphysics and has seminarians study it and that it's a part of the church's life is because the church believes in the capability, the church recognizes, I shouldn't say believes, the church yeah. recognizes the capability of human reason to grasp reality, yeah. right? And that nothing that we believe through faith should ever contradict what our mind is able to grasp about reality through its own proper functioning, right? Yeah. So I, one of the images that I saw one time, I think it was Thomistic Institute use that I kind of want to would like to share. Maybe give a little of, of an imagery here and a it's, shout out to the Thomistic Institute, which is a great, great uh, platform they have going on there. But I will say, like, so imagine that like you had three human beings in a room, like right now. For hey, example. look at that! Check that out. All right, so imagine and you see things in us, right? You, there's certain things about us that you can tell. You know, Max is brown and Sam is, um. Not. Not brown. Handsome. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nicest way to put it. All right. So I was going to say, so so you see these different characteristics, right? But then you also see things that are like universal, universally applicable to us three, right? 
we have eyes. Um, we talk. We can communicate. Two arms. Two arms. Two legs. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Most limbs, right? <laughs> so there's. So you. We have these kind of universal things. Okay. So now you've seen us here. You can see us. You can. You can even. You know, talk to us, and you maybe even smell us because we may stink. But what you can also abstract is these universal things that apply to us three, such as us breathing. Right, so well, just yeah. thinking the things yeah. that constitute human beings. Exactly. Yeah, like and, human nature. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so when we talk about like metaphysics, it's studying those principles, these principles that are abstracted from just the things we come in contact with beyond, but that. are nevertheless real. Right? Exactly. Like human nature exactly. is a real thing. Like there's something with the three of us sitting in this room. We're distinct, particular individuals, but nevertheless, there's something in common between us. Yeah. Which is why someone can look at us and say, "Oh, those three things are the same type of thing. Mm. They're the same." Yep. Nature, they have the same nature, yeah. right? They perform the same functions. They can, they have rationality. That's something that characterizes human nature. Um, you have that great quote from Fetus at Ratio. Yeah, so Fetus at Ratio, it's uh, Faith and Reason. Pope uh, John Paul II promulgated it. It's a great book talking about precisely this relationship between faith and reason that we've been kind of talking about here. And one of the, one of the quotes that he has here comes from uh, paragraph 83, and it writes, I want only to state that reality and truth do transcend the factual and the empirical. And to vindicate the human being's capacity to know this transcendent and metaphysical dimension in a way that is true and certain, albeit imperfect and analogical. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that kind of sums up what we've been saying is like the human being has the capacity to know truths that are transcendent and universal. Yeah. And that are not just limited to the particular and the empirical. So that's one thing, right? So that's one reason why the church, you know, studies it, appreciates metaphysics. The second reason is because it's an important complement to theology. Yeah. Right? It is, yeah. As, in fact, we say that philosophy in general is... The handmaid. The handmaid yeah. to theology, right? Right. And so an example of this is like when we start to think about things like the nature of the Blessed Trinity, right? Boom. That's been... So we could never discover that the Blessed Trinity exists with our own natural reason. Right? Nope. This had to be revealed to us through, by God. Right. It supersedes our ability to know. But what do we say? We say that the truth of the blessed Trinity cannot contradict our natural reasons, apprehension of the world. It can supersede it. It it does. And it does. Yeah, yeah, certainly it supersedes it, but it is not contradicted. So we should be able using our reason to think about that, like the way you know, in a very limited way because it's such a transcendent mystery, but like the way that the individual persons of the Trinity exist in one nature, right? Mm. And and the church has developed the language and a way of thinking about those things to to draw out the intelligibility of it, right? Or so to the Eucharist, like when we say that transubstantiation takes place in the Eucharist and the conversion happens. Yeah. How do we understand the, the, the new type of existence that's here, right? These are, we have to rely on metaphysics to, to be able to understand these mysteries of faith. And I mean, even like the word transubstantiation, big word. Yeah. I'm glad Mm -hmm. I got it right. Um, was not like used until we were talking in church history. Is it Pope Innocent the Third, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh Innocent. yeah, at the Council of the Fourth Lateran Council. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so in twelve fifteen. Oh man. So it's high fives in the studio. Hey, bro. Rock in the studio. Yeah. So my my point being that like it took that long for the church to be able to kind of articulate what this teaching was. So metaphysics allows and gives a framework to the theological concepts that yeah. are difficult to grasp. Yeah, that's a good point. And okay, so 
it seems at this point of the conversation, we need to transition and talk about what does metaphysics actually study? So what do you, how would you guys answer that question? I suppose. Yeah, that's a good question. I think so. Metaphysics operates under two basic principles. I should say universal principles, right? Um, by which it tries to investigate um, reality. Or it at least deduces these principles from its observation right. of reality, right? right. Yeah. And these, a principle, these principles kind of apply to everything that exists. So the first principle is a principle of non-contradiction. It is. Sam? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, thank you, Max. The, the principle of non-contradiction can be defined as a thing cannot both be and not be at the same time and in the same respect. Boom. That's it. That's a... Uh, so it seems pretty simple, and like, <laughs> and it is because it's the highest and most universal principle. But um, this is something that Aristotle identified in his Metaphysics, this principle, and he actually went through this like chapter long, like logical demonstration yeah. of this of this principle. But basically, this is a principle again that applies to everything that is in existence. Yeah. That a thing cannot both be and not be at the same time and in the same respect. So some examples of this. So. One example, Sam cannot both be here in front of me and also not be here at the same time. He is either here or not here. It's contradiction in terms to say both Sam is both here and not here. That wouldn't make sense. Just right. on a very basic example. Yeah. Right. Well, and you take it as a given usually, right? You're just right. like, oh, that makes sense, right? Well, yeah. that's what it's going for. It's trying to establish what this rule is uh, essentially. Yeah. Another one, a door cannot be both opened and closed at the same time and in the same respect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's a good... Same when you just said it's a given, you're right. And it like if this principle did not hold true, we could not think clearly about anything. We couldn't even operate in the world because contradictions could just come left and right. Yeah, and they, they were, they were, yeah. So like even just like socially speaking, like we wouldn't have much of a social order. Like mm-hmm. if we didn't have some level of like universal principle, that we couldn't just we couldn't even function. And so what's cool about this is it's not just a principle that like we've subjectively agreed on, but it's grounded in the way that things are. That because of the way reality is, a thing cannot both be and not be at the same time and in the same respect. Now, you might get some people. Hit us. Joey was excited about this when we were planning. <laughs> he came up with this all by himself, I have to say. Actually, I have to tell you, I didn't come up with it by myself. Of course you didn't. It's plagiarized? Is that what I'm hearing? Um, so I got this example from Father Mike Schmitz. Oh, well, he's, uh, he's good. He's good. Well, we, we recommend Father Mike Schmitz. Yeah, for, we do. For what it's he's worth. Cool. Maybe we'll have him on one day. You know, he's kind of short. <laughs> we had the CFRs on. <laughs> so, come on, Max. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I saw him in person. He's and never going to come on now. Sorry. No, he might come on, you know. He's, you know, whatever. Anyways, All right. So so anyway, yeah, Joey. Joey so he, he talks about, you know, what happens if someone tries to get clever and refute this principle of non-contradiction, right? They might say, okay, well, hold on a second. If I take a lamp and I turn it off, but then I set it on top of a table, then the lamp is both on the table and off, right? As in it's turned off. So now the lamp is both on and off at the same time. Sick, dude. Right? So what's the problem with this? Are you, is that rhetorical? I'm asking you guys. Oh, so it's, oh. it's on, but not in the same respect. There we go. There we go. The right? same respect is a big part of the principle Boom. when you say that at the end. Right. So it's not both on and off in the same respect, right? Yeah. And so um, really, you can go crazy and just try to find something that refutes this principle, but you won't be able to do it <laughs> because it is a universal principle. And That's a challenge to all our listeners, by the yeah, way. If you find one, go ahead and email us. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll take this episode down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the, um, the second one's the principle of sufficient reason, yep. of which I messed up when we were talking about it before the episode, <laughs> but I'm going to get it right this time. Here we go. So essentially what that principle is that everything that exists must have a sufficient reason for its existence. So a thing can't cause ex- itself to exist. And this is a basic principle even in, in uh, Newtonian physics. Right? Mm-hmm. His second law, I believe, is something like a thing in motion cannot set itself into motion. It has to have an external force that moves it. So that on sounds a, right. Right. So on, a, so on a very basic just scientific note, it's like things, first of all, don't move, but also definitely don't cause themselves to exist. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, it would be a contradiction because in order to cause yourself to exist, you'd have to precede yourself in existence. Right. Which is impossible. Right. Right. Now allegedly. <laughs> we're still trying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now this does lead us to an interesting question. Um, if everything that exists has to have a sufficient reason for its existence mm-hmm. and nothing can cause itself to exist, then that seems like it would apply to like the entire universe. It does. Right? Writ large. Yep. Which prompts us to ask a very important question which is one of the most important questions in philosophy. And I think one of the deepest questions of the human heart. And I'm going to let Max say what that question is. The question is, why is there something rather than nothing? And this is, as Joey said, the kind of question of philosophy. I mean, this is the the perennial question that we try to answer. Why is there something rather than nothing? It's one of those questions that when I think about it, it makes me like nervous or like, (laughs) I get get kind of upset. You know, you're like, wait, like, it doesn't make any sense that we have some, like, why do we have yeah. a being, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, um, you know, metaphysics, metaphysics, the study of metaphysics will prompt us to ask these questions and perhaps even try to formulate an answer to a question like that, which would lead us ultimately to God, right? Right. Who, who yeah. we would say is the, is, is the reason for the universe's existence. Right. So, okay. So we've established these two major principles, right? Basically the foundation of all philosophy, but now we can move this conversation after doing that into more of these transcendental properties that are very foundational for metaphysics. in Right. So this is another thing that metaphysics studies and identifies in its assessment of reality. These transcendental properties. Yeah. What are these? The faces of being is what one of our professors called. Yeah. The different ways that being presents itself to us, um, and to the different aspects of us. Um, so there's three of them. Yeah, maybe just take them one by one. I think that would be good. All right. Um, but so the, the place to start probably is with goodness. Um, and, I think you could you could probably pick any of them, but we decided to start with goodness itself. Yeah. yeah. So, so goodness is a transcendental property of being. Right. What that means is that everything that exists, insofar as it exists, is good. Right. Say that one more time, Joey. Everything that exists, insofar as it exists, is good. Say one more time. <laughs> now, now, some people might object to this. Some people might think, okay, that doesn't really seem right. And I think that initial objection is understandable, but it comes from a, a misunderstanding of what it means to exist. Yeah. Right? Or what, what goodness is to. Or, yeah. And right? what goodness is. All right. So first let's talk about what it means to exist. Right. So yeah. um, a lot of people think that the fact that something exists is kind of like the least significant thing about that thing. Yeah. We would right? say what did Sam say? It's like people take it as a given. Yeah. yeah. You're kind of like, well, that's a thing there in front of me. Right. And yeah. It's yeah. just like there. And I can, I don't know. It's something that I can, it's, I can kick it. Yeah. Right. That's uh-huh. what it means yeah. for a thing to exist is I can kick it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but oftentimes like, so I'm going to use a, some other words here, substance and accident. Yeah. Just so, to lay this out. A so to bit. kind of refute this idea right. that that's all existence is, is just kickableness. Right. So at a basic level, we think just 
being is just Sam there, thereingness, kind of just being there. Mm-hmm. But we would say that um, while there are things that universally apply to Sam being there or Joey being there and Max being here, there are also distinctions about us, like what what, I, what we would call accidents, our hair, our eyes, what we're wearing right now, mm-hmm. right? And so these things, right, if if they didn't exist, would, would they not be? If there wasn't differences were they not be? Yeah, or even like differences in our personality. Yeah, or ideas. Yeah. Right? I think personalities illuminates the idea a little yeah. better. Yeah, right? that's true. So, okay, so the, the point being here that like if these personalities, you know, since they are intangible, do they not exist? That's the question, right? right? No, and obviously they do exist. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, they exist so deeply within us that they are us. Yeah, they, they constitute right? us. So while we have a substantial level of existence here like we are all human beings we have rational powers we're we have kickable. passions we're kickable sam is definitely kickable all right one leg joke <laughs> oh sorry dude, dude wow not dude. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> while we have these kind of universal kind of ap- applicative things to all of us there's also distinctions about us such as our hair and the sorts and these things are also existence even though they're not kickable exactly even right. though, but they're, but they're deeply intertwined with existence so i say that for those who think that differentiating things about existence are not existence. They are. Right. And so that gets us to what it actually means to exist, right? And right. when we think about to exist, to be, that's a verb, right? Like that's actually wow. a verb, like to be. So existence is an activity. Mm-hmm. It's not just this like passive, like inert yeah. being there, like we've said. It's, it is an activity. As one of the um, authors to a book we read in our metaphysics class says, it's to be is to luminously stand out from the realm of non-being. Right, like to to exist Sweet. is to be in this activity, and it's better to be than not to be. Right, right, it is. I think I think a, a good distinction that I learned growing up in my philosophy classes was that yeah. goodness and being are convertible terms, meaning they they mean the same thing. Yeah. It's not they're not there's not a difference in if if you if it's it's good to be. And it's like, if you say it's good to not be, that's like a contradiction in terms that makes, that makes no sense. Um, and I think it's good to highlight that because this was good for when we talk about evil too, right? Because yeah, evil yeah. itself is not necessarily a thing. Evil is not like, I, I see it like it's there. It's, it's actually a lack of something as yeah. definitionally, right? It's, it's a, a lack of a goodness that ought to be there. Yeah, so like an illness, right? For example, I don't know, you have uh, a fl- the flu, for example, mm-hmm. right? So like, let's say your senses are all messed up. Um, or you know your sinuses so you would say it's it's not so much like an evil like a physical evil that's there uh, as much as like there's a there's a due health that's due to him that that that's, that's not there it's not present yeah. right and so in that sense you can see goodness is as a more like holistic view of of something rather than evil as something yeah and that's just to highlight that a little bit more and then we'll move on to the next transcendental is yeah so a disease, for example, some uh, bacteria that's in your system, yeah. right? That the existence of that bacteria in and of itself is not an evil thing, right? That bacteria, insofar as it exists, is yeah. a, is good because it, it is better to exist than not to exist. What evil is, is the privation of health in you, yeah. right? Um, and so that's what, and you can go back and listen to our episode on the problem of evil that we, that was one of our first episodes. So, um, yeah, yeah. So what does this have to do with being? Well, it has to do in some sense what we've already spoken about, but also it relates to the will. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So, so yeah, bef- before you say that, yeah. existence is a type of perfection, yes. right? It's a type of activity. activity and because it is that everything that exists is good. Mm-hmm. Now, how does goodness relate to us? 
So goodness relates to us in the sense that we will it, right? So like goodness is that which is desirable to the will, Mm -hmm. that which is desirable. So like good action, for example, it's something that we desire to do, Mm -hmm. right? For one. So like this, this kind of play on words with goodness and and being here as an active, uh, active thing. So it's desirable, something that we just, in, in us, we're drawn towards. A steak. Yeah. Oh, we love steaks. Dude. You love steaks? Uh, kind of. Oh, it's well, long of course story. Sam long story. doesn't like steaks. No, it's a long story. Okay. It's a real story. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So everything that exists, insofar as it exists, is good. It is desirable to our will yep. in some extent. And we can take examples. So like a rock. Mm. A rock, insofar as it exists, is good because it has existence, which is better than not having existence. And in some sense, our will is drawn to it. And Sam, you were talking about like the Grand Canyon or something. I was. I mean, when you stand in front of the Grand Canyon, it's like all it's, it's just strikes you like as how amazing. Right. Yeah. And it's, you're just looking at rocks. I mean, that's it, you know, rocks, rocks rocks in a river. That's it. So yeah, that's, it's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get, or a tree, right? A tree is, um, another example because it exists, it's good or a human person. So what I'm trying to say is everything that exists is good, but the higher, the higher, the type of being, the higher, the degree of goodness in the thing, right? Because there's, there's higher potential for perfection Mm -hmm. for the thing, right? So like a, a rock is good. A tree is good. A human is better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then ultimately God is the best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And And like really objectively, like there are real objective grades of being. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, uh, let's move on to the next, uh, one of these transcendental properties. And this one is truth. I think this one's the easiest one to recognize and to talk about because it's literally all you're saying is that there's an intelligibility to the things that exist. There's a recognition of the order of like that, that makes sense. And I think that's basically what's worth talking about uh, for this one. Yeah. So, so when we talk about like truth, right, we say it's desirable to the intellect or the intelligibility of mm-hmm. things. Like things mm-hmm. have, as Sam said, they, you can know certain things about something. It gives you, um, again, their identity. What, what, who is Sam? I don't know. I get to know him more from his external acts, but also just who is he? As I, as I talk to him, I get to know him more, more truths about him. And I either, you know, stray away from some of the things he holds or I, you know, tend towards him as my friend or whatever. The yeah. And they, 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 this applies to everything in the universe, right? right. Yeah. It applies to the stars, all the planets, yeah. to human beings, to trees, all down to the bacteria that Joe was talking about earlier, right? It's just, it applies to everything. Yeah. So like the, the Cosmos series, for example, that came out by Carl Sagan, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I don't, condone his atheism but my point is just that like he sees some sort of order to the cosmos mm-hmm. that he he wrote a whole series on mm-hmm. and it comes from this kind of desire of the intellect to know the world to know being yeah and every so everything that exists insofar as it exists is true it's intelligible yeah. and all the particular sciences are predicated upon that assumption exactly. right that the yeah. world is knowable that it's imbued with intelligibility and our minds can have, our minds have access to that intelligibility, which we right? forget about all the time, which just drives just me nuts. True. As you guys, you guys know, me. it drives me nuts. But anyways, okay, let's move on to the next transcendental property. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the last one we're going to talk about. This is actually beauty, mm-hmm. uh, and the reason we say this one for last is it's kind of a hybrid between the the things about the first two, right? It's like yeah. your recognition of both the will and the intellect, so we know things to be true, and we kind of want to go after it with our will, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. desirable. So that's why we save it for last. But that's beauty is is what we want to kind of go into now. And a lot of times, so we're saying everything that exists is beautiful, right? That beauty is a transcendental property of all being. A lot of times people though will think that beauty is just in the eye of the beholder, the right? Eye of the beholder. That it's just a subjective thing and that, you know, 
something might be beautiful to me, but it's not beautiful to you. But what we want to say is, no, actually, there's an objective beauty in things. And there are higher and lower degrees of this beauty in things, not based on some subjective opinion, even though that is real, right? So, yeah. So let me, let me talk, let me talk about this and then we can talk about these objective principles by which beauty operates under. So the subjective element, even for Aquinas is important, right? So it's delightful to the senses. That's the the subjective element. The subjective element of beauty, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's delightful to the senses is the way he defines beauty. So like in one sense it is, right? It is like subjective. Like there's certain things that I'm going to like better and understand and comprehend better than for example, Joey's Joey could watch a basketball game and know the ins and outs of what's going on. And he's going to think it's awesome. And maybe like a certain art to his like, man, look at that pass or look at that, look at that player, Sam with baseball that I'm not going to know, but I can Mm -hmm. watch, you know, some sort of like musical performance and be like, Oh dude, that's, that's sick. That's really hard rhythm, whatever Mm -hmm. to do, because I've, I've known these things and I see the good in it and I want to be able to do that and just Mm kind of master that thing. And so like there is a, subjective element but it's not just a subjective element and i would say and i would say that like as we've been speaking this episode is that there's principles by which this subjective element must be guided yeah to or there's a detriment to the actual beauty inherent to the thing right yeah. which are there's three particular principles right that's beauty there's, so there's three so aquinas will talk about three things that yeah. are three aspects of the beautiful these yeah. objective aspects of the beautiful the first is integritas integrity right wow. So something is beautiful insofar as it has an integrity, a wholeness to it. Yeah. So you can think about the tree, the tree, um, it exists and it's beautiful in a sense because it has this integrity, this harm, this harmony of its parts. Right. Um, and it's, it's a whole organism. And if it was missing something like a, like a giant branch or something, it would be off. You'd be like, yeah. Oh, something's wrong with it. Or like yeah, half yeah. of it That's falls a down point. in a storm. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, I recognize something's <laughs> off and there's something not whole about it. What if it like, caught on fire at one point and they extinguished the fire? You're like something is weird about this. Yeah. Tree, you know? yeah. <laughs> somebody's off. Or if it wasn't given, tr- uh, like if it wasn't given fruit, for yeah. example, if it was an apple tree and it wasn't given fruit, like, this thing is incomplete. Like, we got to fertilize it. We got to do something to kind of make this thing flourish. Or a fig tree. Like our Lord gets mad about. Oh the Lord. Um, the second aspect of beauty is proportionality, mm. right? So you can think of, I don't know, Bishop Barron wants to use the example of a golf swing. Like you look at someone uh, swing a golf club yeah. and it's got this like integrity to it, this wholeness, but also this proportionality. Like yeah. there's, there's a, I don't know. It's just all of its parts are interrelated yeah. in an ordered and harmonious way. Nothing sticks out. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so you move up the scale of being from like, you know, elements to bacteria to rocks to trees to persons to um and the the degrees of beauty will increase um because integrity will increase and proportionality i just want to say i don't like how we've been skipping dogs this whole time but you're right i have been skipping animals how how dare you dude sorry whatever bro. sorry winston and then (laughs) the third the third aspect of beauty of this transcendental property of beauty that is inherent in everything that exists to varying degrees is radiance clarity would you guys say this is the one that we recognize the most yeah like the splendor in it yeah when you like look at the i don't know like when i went over to rome and i saw all the major basilicas like you can splendor in the beauty of what's there right or you see like the sunset or like a mountain and you just it delights you like there's something radiant about it something you're just kind of attracted to you're not rationalizing oh my gosh you know the the sun's speed here is i don't even know science but something you know what i mean like we're not rationalizing all that we're just there's something in us that just draws us towards the thing so yeah i would definitely say that's the case right so okay so now we've established these transcendental properties but now the question becomes so what 
Like, why did we do that? Right. Why do we take all this time to talk about these transcendental properties and how they relate to everything and how everything's grounded in these transcendental properties? Like what, what's the point? So we, and that being able to ask that question is in a sense, the point of metaphysics, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's where, this is where it leads us. But here we have as a result of our metaphysical understanding of reality, this conception that we have a universe of existent things, all of which are true, all of which are good, all of which are beautiful. And we know that everything that exists has to has a has to have a sufficient reason for its existence. Yeah. And that the universe can't be that reason for yeah. existence because it can't cause itself to exist. Yeah. So where does that lead us? I know what I'm thinking. <laughs> what do you guys know what you're thinking? <laughs> Man, no, we're yeah. thinking about God, yeah. right? We're thinking about God. God is the start of all this stuff. He he possesses these transcendental properties. He he they all flow from him, yeah. you know? So when we see the splendor of the universe kind of flow out from him and we can recognize it as good and true and beautiful, yeah. it points us to God. And that's not an accident. That's, there's a reason for that. It's because they all come from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's precisely actually how St. Thomas Aquinas's third argument starts. There's effects in the world. Yeah. We see things in the world. We see a certain order, a certain beauty, a certain goodness to it. We're attracted to it. And it doesn't explain and itself. It doesn't explain itself. Um, and where do these things come from? Like, where do, wait a second, where do these come from after some investigation? God is the cause, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's, that is, that is like the metaphysical investigation. God, who is not just one good thing amongst good things, no. but is goodness itself. As being itself, right? Exactly. And this is why sometimes you'll hear people talk about God being pure act. Yeah. Right. Because God has to be a being that if we said being as an activity, being as a verb, right? And God is this principal cause of everything that exists. God has to be the type of thing that is just pure activity, like pure actuality, right? And um, he is being itself. He is act itself. He is beauty and truth and goodness itself. And um, that is why when he creates, like we, we read it in the book of Genesis, God created everything and said that it is very good, right? Because it flows from him. Right. And not to build his ego up, but just a recognition of who he is. Yeah. And who we are in light of that. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's what metaphysics, that's, that's what metaphysics seeks. That's why it's important. That's why yeah. we, we take time to talk about it. Right. Yeah. So do I got anything else? Smash the subscribe dog. Smash, Smash and subscribe. And also like, I hear something else you should be doing if you like Logos Podcast and want to help us out is give us a five-star rating. That's right. And write a good review. That's right. Visit our website. Just like it. Send us something. You know, like I said, if you want to talk crap about Sam, you know what? I'll accept it. I'll bring it up on the next episode. Logos-pod. Yeah, dot com. Dot com. Got anything else, bro? I think I'm good, bro. Yeah. How you doing, Joey? good too, man. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you took something. And as always... God bless. And will Carlos, Carlo, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> we, okay, we miss his name up every time. Uh, well, we miss blessed Carlo Cutis. Pray, pray for, for us, us always. God bless. <laughs>